0: Studio Erbo and Bonfire Press present Essence House by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino. Read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 6. The Family Ties That Bind. July 4th, 1893. Tristan, check that out! Tim yelled, but nobody could hear him. The building was a modern marvel. 425,000 square feet of machine after machine. Engines cranking and churning. Steam, electric, coal. You could find literally anything you were looking for. And it was fascinating to seven-year-old Tim. It was fascinating, and it was loud. Tired from being on his feet most of the trip, Tristan sat on his grandfather's shoulders. It was by far the best seat in the house. Grandpa Roland was nothing if not tall. Pulling his grandfather's pant leg, Tim pointed across the room at a column of light that shot up into the air. It was beautiful, standing 82 feet tall and covered in hundreds of Edison light fixtures. And you knew it. Thomas Edison was out to make a splash. And credit, deserved or not, he made one. Roland leaned down to talk to little Tim, but it really was absurdly loud in the building. He put out his hand. Tim grabbed a couple fingers and was led down the hall. His eyes glossed over as he looked in awe at wonders from across the globe. This was the coolest place on the planet. Tucking his elaborately carved walking stick under his arm and pushing the exit door open with one hand, Roland leaned in with his shoulder and led Tim out with his other hand before rocking back and letting the door loose. Roland began to speak. "'How's your headache, T?' "'But the ringing in his ears was jarring, "'and he stopped just about as quick as sound left his lips. "'Tim followed him to a bench where he lowered Tristan down. "'The three of them sat down to clear their heads. "'All around them, fountains shot streams of water into the sky. "'Flowers adorned everything, "'and buildings that looked as if they were plucked "'right out of ancient Greece lined the roads. "'It was as if heaven had come to Chicago.' An amazing sunset on the lake brought it all home. Roland could never tire of the scene, but sunset meant they had probably better get going. Ready to go, adventurers? he asked of his grandsons. Where to? Can we look at the Viking ship again? asked Tim. I want to see the corn castle, shouted Tristan. Sorry, boys. I meant home. We're going to have to get back home before I hear it from your mother's. Roland laughed. The mind of little boys never ceased to entertain him. They were always sharp and always full of wonder. Tim, in particular, often impressed his grandfather, though perhaps it was because he had the advantage of a couple years on Tristan. Roland regularly commented on Tim's intelligence and intuition, going as far as crediting Tim for being the reason he was still around. Of course, everyone knew that he was not around really. Well, everyone except the boys. Roland was as real to them as anybody they ever encountered. It didn't matter that he also took up residence in a lot on the family's personal burial ground. Can we go back to the Ferris wheel on the way out, Grandfather? I'd very much like to see it again, inquired Tim. As a matter of fact, we will be heading that way, said Roland, but we won't be able to watch it for long. The trio walked down the path, past the most amazing-looking train station they'd ever seen, down the way a bit, and turned. They exited the official fairgrounds at that point. The road ahead was filled with gypsies, dancers, and ethnic visitors of all walks, but also plenty of shysters, pickpockets, and who knows what. Roland held the boys' hands tightly and led them into madness. Tim was impressed by the Ferris wheel, It wasn't the first he'd ever seen, but it was the biggest. Point in fact, it was the first there had ever been. George Ferris himself had just built and installed this one. You could see it from nearly anywhere down the street, and Tim's eyes did not leave the machine. Before he knew it, he was next to it and past it and was being dragged toward the final stretch of the road. This was when the boy's attention was grabbed by a traditional dance being put on by an African tribe. They watched, completely taken in. As they did so, Grandpa Roland asked of them, Do you fellas know what a cannibal is? Tristan shook his head, but Tim raised his hand and blurted, They eat people. Roland laughed heartily and shushed Tim a bit. It's not polite to say such things so loudly, Tim, but yes, they eat people. They say the Dahomey are cannibals back home. Tim and Tristan were not impressed. He leaned down and whispered, They also say there are two fewer of them than there were last week. The boy's eyes widened. "You," They groaned. Tim always remembered that day, as he passed the old Art Palace building on the drive into Chicago, down Lakeshore Drive. Until recently, he hadn't really considered it in the context that it fell. It was just... A cool event he went to when he was a kid, like visiting the Taste of Chicago or Lollapalooza. Time didn't matter. But now, time means everything, and this event happened 127 years ago. Very recent events left him in a rough position. Time traveling for the first time as an adult proved to be really hard on his body and his mind. He was still working through some nausea after returning to modern day. Getting fired after one day on the job was not feeling too great either, and by family at that. He continued, slumped against the passenger side door, as he had for most of the past 800 miles on the road. "'We're almost there, Tim. Do you have a doctor in Chicago that you see? Because you could really use a checkup,' Tristan suggested. "'What, you don't think your girlfriend took good enough care of me?' "'What was her name? Jessica?' Tim replied." Tristan punched Tim's shoulder, unamused. It is Jessica. She is not my girlfriend, and we are not discussing her. Okay, okay. Didn't expect that to dim the mood. Glad we're almost to Elise's. Tim rubbed his shoulder. Dim the mood? You've been sleeping for most of the past 14 hours. We haven't even been able to discuss what the hell happened this morning, and I'm falling asleep at the wheel. What do you know about the mood? Tristan slowed the car as they exited the road around a curve. Tim was tired of that question, what do you know? But he also knew that Tristan was exhausted, and that Tim had not exactly pulled his weight on this drive. So he sat in silence as Tristan maneuvered the city streets and pulled up to Tim's grandmother's old house. So, is this where you guys went after the crash? Tristan asked. Yep, Grandpa Silva was living alone here, so there was plenty of space. Sean said, they have plenty of room for us, but things will be getting hectic, with Elise coming home with the baby in tow in the morning, Tim explained. Speak of the devil, that must be him now, Tristan said, pointing to the man standing at the porch. Sean waved and walked down toward the car as the cousin stepped out. He extended a hand and patted Tim's back as he hugged him. Thanks again, bro. Tim said. Hey, you guys are family, and we're glad to have you back in Chicago. Tristan, I'm Sean, he said, extending his hand. Tristan returned the gesture and shook his hand. I really appreciate you taking us in tonight. We had no idea where to go, but felt awful calling Elise in the hospital like that. We know it's an inconvenience. We have another newborn baby. We don't even know the word convenience, Sean laughed. Just let Elise have whatever space she needs and we'll have no problems. This is a time to celebrate." Sean led the pair up to the house and they were greeted by Tim's nieces and nephews in a burst of excitement. The night ended with some exhaustive fun and games with Tim, Tristan, and the kids. Just the kind of family time the duo needed in contrast to how the day had begun. Tim woke to some commotion downstairs. The sunlight that overwhelmed the tiny window curtains told him that they had slept through the morning, and Tristan's snores told him Tristan could be out for the afternoon. Tim wandered down a flight of stairs into a hallway lined with open doors with clear signs they were left in haste. He rounded a corner and down another flight, where he found the kids surrounding a baby carrier and his brother-in-law helping his sister Elise through the door. He headed to the door, taking his sister's arm to relieve Sean who was also burdened with luggage. As they sidestepped the family and headed to a couch, Tim asked, Can we talk, Elise? Sean shouted from the other room, Jesus, Tim, she just got home with her baby. Can we hit pause on the family drama for a little while? It's okay, Sean. We're overdue and I need to know what he's done. But Jesus, Tim, he's not wrong. Elise interjected as she got up and walked across the room to her newborn baby. She walked back to the couch, rocking the baby, as Sean rounded up the kids, ordering their beds made. "'I'm sorry, Elise. I've had a few heavy weeks, and it all started two days ago. Shit, I don't even know how to reference time anymore. It's confusing as hell.' He stumbled for a way to begin. Elise placed a hand on his. "'Calm down, brother. I know. It's a lot.' "'Yeah, you do know, don't you, Elise?' "'Why do you know? Why didn't I know? I have so many questions,' Tim said in clear frustration. "'If Grandpa had his way, you would have known. You would have stayed in the circle for sure,' she assured him, but it didn't really help. "'So what happened?' Tim inquired further. "'Rick, plain and simple. Rick cut us off and made me swear not to tell you anything,' she answered quickly. Why does everyone give Rick so much power? I get that he's the legal executor of the property, but this goes well beyond legalities, Tim countered. Elise was clearly searching for ways to talk around the issue. Look, Tim, you're better off not being involved in all this. I've got a good routine going, and I've got my way around Rick, but there are times when I wonder if it's worth all the trouble. It's just all so unnatural. Tim looked as confused as ever. I feel like every time you speak, I have a dozen new questions. Can we just start from a beginning point and work? Wait, did you say you have a way around, Rick? Are you using the Essence House too? How do you not use something like the Essence once you have access to it? It's our birthright, and the single craziest damn thing on the planet, she responded. What the hell, Elise? I just don't get it. "'Why didn't you—' "'It's dangerous, Tim. "'I'm using it as our family has used it for decades. "'Hell, maybe centuries. "'It's a passage to a point in time that I can bring my children to spend time with our father,' she began to explain. "'Tim's jaw dropped, and the color withdrew from his face. "'You've been visiting Dad, and you've never told me? "'It's really complicated, Tim.' I couldn't risk something happening and my children being cut off from their grandparents. She said, not sounding all that convincing to herself. Grandparents? Mom too? Tears poured down Tim's face. He missed his parents very deeply. Sean walked in and scooped up the baby, handing his wife a cup of water. Elise sipped the water and put an arm around her brother. Okay, look, obviously matters have changed. I'll let you in on what I know, and we'll figure things out from there. Please, Tim begged. Elise started. I've always known about the Essence. I was a little older when we last used it, and it wasn't really hidden from our family, at least not at the time. All I know is that at some point after the plane crash, Rick deemed the house and its power as dangerous. We were forbidden to return to the house, and Rick attempted to convince me that The powers of the house were figments of my wild teen imagination. How did you change his mind? Tim inquired. She answered, I never did. That's where the way around Rick opened up. I was visiting Aunt Florence a few years ago, and you know how she is, super hippy-dippy and informal and all. Well, she got really serious. She said Rick hasn't been the same in a long time, and she honestly sounded a little sad and a little afraid of him. Apparently, Rick had been harassing her by phone about an item of Grandpa Roland's. Remember that, Tim interrupted, his walking stick? He was looking for the walking stick. Elise asked, how did you know? Tim rolled his eyes. He was asking if I knew anything about its whereabouts when he called me about managing the property, but I hadn't seen it in years. Well, Aunt Flo had the stick in a case in her attic. But she was not giving it up to Rick, Elise revealed. Let me guess, it's some kind of magic wand, Tim said, only half sarcastically. Remember when Grandpa would take us on trips? Remember how he never had to get us back to the house? We would just appear there? It was that stick. Aunt Flo said the intricate carving at the top of the cane enclosed a stone that had some significance to the previous location of the house. Honestly, I didn't ask too many questions, I just knew that it could connect my kids with their grandfather, with Rick being none the wiser, and that was good enough for me. She asked me to take it home to Chicago and hide it, and was explicit that nobody could know, for fear that Rick could find out. Previous location? They moved to the house at some point? Tim questioned. I didn't ask many questions, but hey, tell me what you guys did, it's your turn. Tim slumped back and wiped his hand down his face and began telling his sister about his reunion with Tristan and how they ended up in 1995. Upstairs, Tristan was finally awake and his mind was racing. He was still in bed, but he was frantically pecking away at his cell phone's digital keyboard. He needed to know what happened to his past acquaintance, Jessica, that she would enter the apparent employment of his father. Tristan was beyond frustrated, though, that he could not find a trace of her in any records after 1995. And Tristan wasn't sure anybody outside of the FBI had more access to online research information. He'd subscribed to every online record database he could find while preparing for his trip that very same year. Frustrated, Tristan put his phone down and headed out of the room. As he reached the bottom floor of the house, he heard Tim talking about emerging from the Essence House wine cellar to find Rick waiting there. Wow, you guys are crazy, Elise said, shaking her head. No doubt, Tristan smiled. So what do we do next, asked Tim. Well, me? I'm going to breastfeed a baby. You guys should probably talk, though, Elise said as she got up and walked out of the room. Tim stared long and hard at his cousin. Tristan was fine with Tim getting the first word in. He still had thoughts to gather. You said Jessica's off-limits, and I can accept that, though I hope you'll fill me in eventually. Going back, though, that's what I'm taking off the table. We aren't doing that again. Tristan contemplated on this, attempting to choose his words wisely. I got desperate while you were out, Tim. I know it was dumb, but I decided my dad could handle dealing with more time travel crap. I called home. Tim rubbed his skull and winced. He could almost feel another headache coming on. I know firsthand that it can go bad for more reasons than I want to admit right now. I promise, Tim, I won't try that again. Tim smiled in approval and reached for a handshake. Tim's phone buzzed. He shook Tristan's hand quickly and then slid his thumb over the screen to reveal a text message. Tim, it's Barnabas from the tailor shop in town. I finally see you got my message at the hospital. Come to the shop as soon as you're able. It's time to talk. E.G.B. Theme music by Carol Cockrell. Hey, this is Eric Cockrell and Chuck Pino, the creators of Essence House. We're really excited that you took the time to listen and hope that you enjoyed it. We'd love your support on Patreon. Two dollars gets you two episodes a month, along with bonus commentary and our monthly chat show. Visit EssenceHouseStory.com and seriously, Thank you so much for checking out our series. We're really excited about it.